Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most Canadian work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And don't sound so happy about it, Elliot, because uh, this chapter <laughs> is not off to a good start. Um, so yeah, last chapter Blake was uh, murdered, I guess. Um, and this chapter he's... It, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he basically uh, was killed last chapter and this chapter is just kind of struggling to catch up to that fact, I think. <laughs> oh, that's um, actually a, a yeah. pretty good summary, yeah. He's, yeah, he's really just kind of... I don't know, dying. <laughs> Is there another way to put it? Uh no, not really. I mean it's 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 really powerful. Like yeah, you know, the the first couple of hundred words of this chapter are just like kind of processing what has just happened to him. Yeah. Um and I have no quotes to pull out because I just wanted to pull out the whole thing and I couldn't I couldn't reach a middle ground with myself. <laughs> it was it was all or nothing. Yeah. It's a great it's it's very entertaining to read, which I think is a horrible thing to say, but it's true. Um, <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Because, because Blake alternates between like processing things in this kind of hyper-analytical, strategic way, and then just having weird, completely ridiculous thoughts, which I think feels pretty realistic. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Like, Obviously, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say we've never really had to go through anything quite like this. Nope. Um, uh, luckily, Thank God, but- yeah. Um, I mean, even in just like regular person stressful situations, you get those like uh, stray thoughts um, that are just kind of unimportant or a bit ridiculous yeah. when you're freaking out. And I guess this is sort of that times a million. Yeah. So Blake, <laughs> Blake thinks uh, he wonders for a moment if she sharpened her claws herself more than realizing <laughs> that the claws were hitting me, which is a fun. And he just immediately is like, "Oh, what am I fucking thinking about?" <laughs> like. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of struggling to wrangle his brain, which obviously his brain kind of is freaking out at this point. Yeah, but but uh, like as you sort of said, like that, that that's something your brain does sort of do in just normally tense situations. Yeah. So it it feels it feels very believable, and and it 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 really gives you that sense of shock. Yeah, um, yeah. That that he's that he's sort of in. Yeah. So Blake is is shredded, and his friends are trying to help him but Isidore is basically standing between uh, them and him and not letting them be helpful at all uh yeah we'll have we'll have more to say about m- maybe what I think is happening there <laughs> I- in a bit yeah um so yeah Blake is is he kind of comes out of his body a bit right like he 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 has these moments of basically half following what's going on around him and half just being unable to process anything except his own pain. Yeah, like, one of my favourite bits, I don't know, is favourite the right word because it's horrible, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, one of the one of the best or the most powerful bits is that where, where he, he lifts his arms up to, he's like, oh, i got to put pressure on the wound, and he sort of looks down, it's just, like, all blood and, yep. and guts and everything, and so he's just sort of like, oh, this isn't going to work, and then his arms just sort of flop down because he can't, he can't even hold them up, <sighs> and you're really like, man, he is... Yeah, dying. Dying was the best yeah, word for I mean, it. He was, yeah. he was really just going out. Yeah. Um, so then we get bits the, bits like this one where Isadora says, my only answer is this, look. And Blake thinks, I couldn't see what she was referring to, which is something that happens a lot throughout this chapter. Um, it, I don't know what to think of it because as Blake is dying, we keep missing things, which obviously makes sense while we're in Blake's perspective. But I am just like... <laughs> I really do want to know what's happening with these other conversations, especially later. We find out that Rose knows about 
you know, that she will take over Blake's position if he dies. Yeah. And we don't yeah. get to see the conversation that leads to that, which I would love to see. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, like, it's an interesting perspective to sort of use for almost the entire chapter. Because obviously, like, you know, I've watched movies or even played video games where you have scenes where a character is sort of, you know, half unconscious and and there's sort of some stuff going on yeah. and, and, you know, like, visually they usually sort of um, blow the camera and, and, and blacken, like, you know, most of the field of view. Yeah. Uh, but I've never seen it done for, for like, an entire chapter's worth of stuff. Mm. Um, and and I, I really like it, like, as a as just a bit of variety, I guess. Uh, like, it's, it's a cool thing to do for a chapter. You're right, it leaves us with a lot of, like, questions because we're only hearing half of every conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that next chapter basically opens with with fell sort of walking in and being like listen blake here's what you missed mm. and i'm mostly hoping that because i want fell to not be the one who's dead mm. but we'll, we'll get, get there. there yes um <laughs> so yeah so yeah we're kind of seeing at, the other reason why only seeing half of these conversations is is interesting choice for this chapter is because we we see plans unfolding that we just don't have enough to fully understand. <laughs> so there's there's a few 4D chess games going on here where Isadora uh, is almost going to kill Blake, but then the astrologer threatens to kill Blake and Isadora's like, no, no, don't do that. And it's kind of like, <laughs> what is actually going on here? And Blake's just, you know, looking at his his, his strips of skin that are ripped off of him and, and, yeah, not able to kind of follow it. Yeah, and I think because it's definitely the first time I read this chapter, uh, like there were there were multiple times where you know when you sort of read something you you're like oh, I don't qu- quite think I follow that and you go and like quickly reread it mm. and, and there are a few few moments in this chapter where I did that three or four times before I was like oh geez I hope this just makes sense later <laughs> and I sort of got I sort of got to the end of the chapter with with a lot a lot of questions and I think yep. I've managed to answer a few of them for myself on the second read through but uh. Yeah, as we've sort of already said, there's so much 4D chess going on and Blake's so out of it. Like, I, I don't think we have all the information we need to follow everything that's happened. Yeah. Um, Blake is Blake is sort of a pawn in in a few people's games from the looks of it. Um, yeah. But they're not they're not actually sacrificing him like you do. You normally normally pawns at least have the dignity of dying a quick <laughs> sacrificial death. Uh, Blake doesn't get that. No, unfortunately. Um. Yeah. So it seems like Isidore is trying to kind of bait conquest into doing something by threatening to murder Blake and, and I guess, invalidate the contest. Um, it kind of starts making more sense later on, but we'll, we'll I don't know how much we should talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a few things I want to talk about this this first area um, of the conversation, because you're right, there's a lot to piece here, and I think some of it falls into place later. Like, uh, I sort of, I, I did the notes that you're, that you're seeing on your screen, Ruben, like, as mm. I was going through on my second read-through, and... And so there's some more clarity towards the end, so so we'll get there. But um, yeah. one of the first things I wanted to bring up is uh, Isadora asks Maggie. So Maggie's kind of arguing with Isadora for a bit. Yeah. Um. And and so Isadora asks Maggie, uh, "Are you such an expert on sphinxes, stranger?" And Maggie responds, "As far as I can tell, you aren't much of a sphinx." And and then that's when Isadora says, "My only answer is this look." Mm. And what stood out to me here is Isadora just asked Maggie a question, and Maggie answered. Mm. And she didn't get mauled. Mm. So I assume, like, unless Isadora's just got too many things happening right now to, to worry about her normal rules, which she doesn't seem like a kind of half-measures type of person. Yeah, no, definitely um, not. I guess that means Maggie's 
right which i don't know what to do with this information yeah it's interesting isn't it (laughs) i've noticed now that i guess isadora isn't much of a sphinx and i don't know what that means (laughs) what is she then (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know what to do with this information but i have it now Mm. uh and then isadora mentions that she's following through on a promise at one point i can't even remember the context i i I didn't jot that down Mm. in my notes but um she doesn't seem to be moving towards Blake as she's doing this, or she's certainly not trying to kill him. And um, I, I, I feel like this isn't a promise. I, I don't think this is the promise of you know threatening to come and attack Blake, especially because she's already kind of done that. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's some other promise she's beholden to, I think. And again, <laughs> this is another fact that leads to more questions than, than answers. Yes. Um, Blake stops being able to follow this for a bit, uh, and he kind of Mm. focuses and has a few brief interactions with Evan as Evan kind of tries to, I don't know, reconcile what's happening as Blake is dying and kind of... uh, He seems to be in denial, right? Um, yeah, I mean, just this whole section is pretty, like, tough to read. Like, it's it's rough. Um, yeah, yeah, like, Evan Evan just sort of goes through this phase of just begging Blake to not die. Like, it's, uh, it's a bit heartbreaking. Yeah. Um... But through their conversation, Blake is Blake kind of starts uh, pulling on this connection and 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 gaining strength from Evan and seems to be able to kind of pull himself together m- metaphorically, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean Blake attributes the fact that he stands up later to Evan, which I think like you have to sort of agree. Oh with yeah, Blake. there's no way he'll be standing up without magic. <laughs> yeah. There, there's magical interference uh, in going on here, or Blake would be dead already. I think. Mm. Uh, so, but I really like this how, how this is sort of done so presumably Blake is getting energy from Evan and specifically he sort of asks for Evan's tenacity at yeah. one point and, and Evan's sort of like I don't know how to specifically feed you that but like I did notice um, there's a bit of a turning point like Blake starts to be able to do things like move and, and talk better yeah. as Evan is is just sort of going like oh just, just keep trying like yeah. you can't let it end like this and it's sort of like i think i think that is evan sending the energy like i don't think it's this mystical like feed the connection type thing yeah. for evan like yeah. i think I, I think him just pleading with blake and, and sort of appealing to that that common thing that they share is the way it transfers like it, it may it just makes sense in in the way pact works is in the it's one of those it's both situations like you know evan doesn't have to sit there and meditate to <laughs> to send the power he he just is himself yeah and, you know, it's like Pact found a way to make the heart of the cards type nonsense make sense. Yeah, it's great. yeah, it, it does. It it works, right? He he pulls himself together a bit. He he's able to stand up and kind of hobble around using the uh, the hyena sword as a cane, I suppose. Which like because he kind of manages to hold on to it by just digging <laughs> yeah, his by hand stabbing himself into it. its spiky yeah. handle so that it's kind of impaled on his hand, which is. I mean, it works. I well, guess. yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it? We'll see. I suppose because he. Uh, well, before we get to that, I, I want to pull out a, another quote, which is kind of pointing out what some how how graphic some of these descriptions of Blake's injuries are. Um, he thinks my skin was in strips. Two of the three still attached at both sides, which I think is one of the grossest things I've ever read. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of very graphic stuff here uh it's pretty gnarly i i, I love it though um i don't know i'm glut, oh. glutton for this sort of punishment i mm. guess um but 
Yeah, I mean, thank God for magic because yeah. he's able to stand despite all of this. Despite and, the fact uh, that his interior is not so much so interior anymore, I suppose. Um, yeah, basically. And I mean, like this whole this whole section is very triumphant. Uh, mm. I, I think, despite how it ends. Well, yeah. So he's able to get to his feet, and and he kind of makes this like slow walk up to Isadora while her back is turned. Um, and he, everyone kind of sees him and notices him and kind of wills him success. And he gets so close and he just completely fails. Yeah, he almost gets his, his Chevalier moment. Yeah. Uh, but it does, doesn't quite work out. Yeah. Um, uh, one little thing I wanted to bring up uh, before we talk about this a bit more is he constantly refers to the sword as the hyena like it's ne- or it's ne- it's almost never the sword it's mm. always the hyena yeah. um which just links back to what we were talking about last episode with june and and leonard yeah uh, yeah I-, I think like he uh he he's referring to the hyena more by name now and referring to <laughs> june and leonard less like that's who knows that's what's going a- on there yeah. yeah yeah it's it's not a good sign i don't think um i want to touch on the feeling of Blake kind of making this last ditch effort, right? It definitely feels like it's the it's the cliche of like everything's going so wrong, but he's got this one last chance and he's gonna give it his mm. all and that's how he's gonna pull through. But it's just is like Isadora is just like so not able to be beaten by such a weak effort. Um it's it's a complete fail, but Isadora is like kind of gracious in in being like, oh yeah, it was oh you know you almost had me kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think she she really gave off a vibe to me, and this might have been because I I got really sucked into it like this yeah. moment where he's standing and and everyone sort of notices him. It, it like yeah, as I said, it's it's this big triumphant moment. And he's going for the back of her leg where you're like, oh that might that might be her actually Achilles be able to do heel, something. Yeah. Um, and then maybe not kill her, but like severely injure her enough to lead to a cascade of events. And then, mm. yeah, like he can't even get close no, to this swing. She just lifts up her foot and it goes underneath <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, all right, that's that. And, um, even and then like, she pushes I, him for over. Me, <laughs> yeah. Like for me, Isadora was giving mad, like oh, big vibes of, you know, holy shit. Like you're still going like yeah. nice effort. How I mean, you know, this, is not, yeah. this is not going to work, but like. Nice, like, impress. I think she's impressed by his tenacity. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough, right? Um, But, yeah, so Isadora pushes Blake over and he just kind of sits there and goes back to dying as their 4D (laughs) chess continues and Isadora and Rose are kind of talking. Rose is, is trying to argue, kind of, I guess, convince Isadora not to, I don't know, murder Blake or let Blake die. Yeah, yeah, and I'm... Blake Blake gets a bit confused with that, and we'll talk about that just in a sec. But like, I mean, the bigger the thing, yeah, the big thing here that you've sort of already touched on is Rose reveals that she knows she will replace Blake. Yeah. Um, and then they they have a bit of an argument. This is another one of those statements that leads me with more questions. Yeah. Um, where Isadora's sort of like, oh, I'm just like balancing things, and then Rose is like, doesn't this mean like a fuckload of balancing is coming up? And Isadora's mm. like, yes, that's fair. And I'm like, whoa. I don't think I know exactly what they're referring to there. That feels like something that needs to be explained a bit more, unless mm. I'm missing something. My my initial thought on read of that is that the balance coming up is kind of the karmic retribution for the way that Isadora is treating Blake, but maybe that's uh maybe that's not enough. Maybe there's something else happening too. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like more than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just grasping at straws. Maybe. Um anyway, so Blake 
kind of is is seeing this happen and and does kind of take Rose's uh, stance in this conversation as a bit kind of cavalier now that he knows that she knows. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I think Blake is being surprise, surprise, harder on Rose than I think is fair. Like she <laughs> seems to be on side. She seems to be like convincing Isidore without getting uh, I don't know hysterical or, or overly emotional at this situation. Yeah, that was very much the vibe I had as well. It's like I think she's playing the game yeah, for lack totally. of a better word. Like she's not like like all of what she's doing is really to hurry things along. Like you know, essentially she helps force Isadora to call in conquest to stop like everyone bleeding to death. And and it's like she, I think she is very much still trying to help Blake, and Blake just isn't really in a place to process that and also yeah i think he's a little bit angry that she's not as upset as she maybe could be but i think her keeping her cool here saves them all yeah Uh, so it definitely helps it it was a good thing yeah Yeah. because uh before rose's interference is it was literally just gonna stand here and wait until blake died but uh rose kind of talks to her and isadora basically summons conquest realizes what rose is saying is kind of right and summons conquest to kind of I don't know, escalate the situation, I guess. Well, I mean, it seems like her and Conquest are basically stuck in this game of chicken where, like, she didn't want to ask Conquest to come because she thinks it makes her look subordinate. But... Yeah. So she's wanting Conquest to just show up and and sort of ask her for where things stand, but obviously he's never going to do that because that makes him look subordinate and... (laughs) Like, that's just not going to happen. So, basically, Rose is sort of like, you're going to have to be the one that gives in. Yeah. Because uh, you're not the incarnation of not exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, good, good on Rose for sort of calling out Isadora's honor, I guess. Because that's what works. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is interesting. Because so far, Isadora has been so focused on the karmic concepts of balance. She's never really seemed to care much about like modern interpretations of right and wrong mm. uh, but this this gets to her for some reason yeah yeah i th- i think it's 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 a hard read but i do think that isadora kind of does get convinced that she's not fully on the right side of this you know and and that's enough you know she that she's i guess that she's uh upsetting the balance through her actions in some ways more than she's restoring it and i think that's the bit that makes her change her mind yeah, yeah, and I th- I think that probably has more to do with, in particular, Alexis than than anyone else. Yeah, I think true. she makes it pretty clear throughout this that she doesn't really think that much of Fell, uh, <laughs> or or at least letting Fell live. Um, anyway, yeah, she seems to think killing him's doing him a favor. There's a lot of that going around. Mm, well, yeah, I guess. Um, so conquest rocks up, and he's just been grumpy guts the whole time you know like oh everyone's betraying me blah 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 conquest come on yeah and so i think this is where i finally started to piece together on my second read through what what is the <laughs> more or less doing yeah. um so it's that whole thing where she she wants to kill blake or she needs blake and rose out of the picture because she doesn't want conquest getting his hands on the diabolos yeah. like that and that's been established right from 4.2 or 4.3 yeah uh but she doesn't want to openly defy him i guess by killing blake yeah and i'm not entirely sure why but it's kind of like so i think she she's trying to keep conquest on side as well but not let him actually get blake and and so she kind of and and she kind of ends up stuck in this middle ground where conquest and rose basically force her to pick a side yeah yeah 
it's hard to read, but I definitely get the vibe that she she kind of wants Conquest to still be in power, but not not beat Blake, right? And she kind of talked about this um, back when she told Blake that she was going to like declare war on him uh, when she when she basically reduced it down to two options, right? Either you die and Conquest gets you, or you live and Conquest gets you, and you know neither of those neither of those are great options. Mm. But Isidore would rather kill Blake than than uh, then let Conquest gain power or lose power. Yeah, but then on the other hand, she doesn't take the opportunity to finish him off uh, during this, is my understanding of what happens. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that way, and, and that's sort of the interesting uh, knot in, in my understanding of all of this, mm. is I, I don't quite understand why she's so against actually finishing Blake off. And I, I think it comes back to that stuff she was saying about how things are more difficult since Rose knows what's going to happen. Like, I think maybe Rose was threatening to go to Conquest or, or run away or something. Like, Isadora needs to sort of control both of them yeah, for her plans I, I, to really come through. I guess if Blake dies and Conquest captures Rose, that's just as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so I think I think maybe maybe Rose was playing some sort of game where she was saying, uh, if you kill Blake, I'll, I'll just go to Conquest mm, willingly. Yeah, or I can see that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, Isadora is, I don't know, her, her motivation's hard to understand. She's kind of a centrist here in between the, the goodies and the baddies where she's not really playing either side or she's playing both sides and not not really helping in any <laughs> any way, just kind of making both sides shitter, which is an annoying pose for her to take. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess Karma disagrees with me, but I would say if you're doing so much to keep Conquest in power, then all of the bad shit he does is on you a little bit. Mm. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the way karma works, I guess. Mm. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. So Conquest comes towards Blake to finish him off, uh, but kind of asks him to surrender first. And, and Blake kind of recognises from this that Conquest doesn't see this as a fully earned victory. He hasn't fully won because Isadora was the one who took him out, right? And she's not one of his champions. Um, and so rather than surrender or be openly defiant, Blake says... Give me three days to recover, and then we can keep going. And then you can take me out your own way. Uh, before we can see what Conquest's response to this is, Blake passes out. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the big clue that sort of happens here is Conquest comes up and, and makes him this offer. And it's actually a pretty good offer. Yeah. Like, yes, he'll be under Conquest, so we all know that's going to suck. Yeah. But also, we know he's going to hell, and that's presumably going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and conquest includes like a lot of perks in this offer like you know everyone else including seemingly rose and and evan and everyone can just go back to doing what they want and Mm. and i think like it's really the the goodness of this offer that that made me and blake sort of both go hold on wait this is too good like conquest must be desperate and it's true like he needs blake to surrender yeah to turn this into his victory yeah yeah and so of course because blake is such a fucking maniac he's just like <laughs> give me three days and i'll fight you irl yeah it's like, such a <laughs> i mean it's a wild last second play but it totally works i mean the fact that the the read that blake manages to pull that conquest needs to win on actual terms he can't just like quickly squish his head while isadora has done all the legwork mm. it's a great read and one that i'm surprised yeah. he's able to make in the state that he's in Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's very lucky. Um, and uh, well, uh, maybe not lucky, but really clever. Mm. But uh, I just I, like I'm still not over. You know, I I read this 24 hours ago, and I'm still 
not over what a fucking mm. badass maniac moment this is where Blake's just like dying, bleeding out. And he's just like, three days, mate, and I'll, I'll take you. Uh, it's Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> it is. It, it, he's a wild, he's a wild protagonist. Um, <laughs> but he's unconscious now and he dreams of a large in construction unfinished bridge. Um, he's alone on this bridge except for Evan who's flying around practicing his his tricks his flying tricks yeah I sat here for a while trying to figure out what the half-built bridge might symbolize mm. um at the moment I'm I'm the best I've come up with is like it sort of represents how Blake sees himself or like his life like yeah. he's he's half built half constructed like he you know because he's talked a lot about how he doesn't feel like he is where he wants to be but I'm I'm not. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. Like there might be more to it, or or some, like I might be missing something. But yeah. that's, that's sort of what I'm what I'm going with. I might. I don't know if I'm kind of over simplifying the metaphor, but it definitely feels to me like Blake is on one side of a landmass trying to reach. You know, his grass is greener on the other side, kind of lifestyle. And the water down below is, I guess, <laughs> diabolism, demons, lawyers, etc. Um, just kind of making his way over to the to the good side, but only halfway there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it it's nice. I mean, it's it's a nice vision. Blake's happy. He's at peace, right? Yeah. Um, it's a nice little break for him, I guess. I don't know if he's been like chilling in here for the whole two two and or essentially three days, yeah. but yeah. Um, there's an interesting bit that I want to pull out where Blake thinks, I cherished Alexis and my friends, but as much as they nourished and validated me, even they took as much as they gave. It was one of the reasons I could never really imagine myself with someone, which first of all, I mean, you know, RIP to the bliffany, the, the OTP of Pact, but, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Blake, Blake basically saying, I, I want to be a hermit. I don't want people in my life. Uh, even people that I really like and, and who we've seen over the past few chapters, you know, up, uplift him and, and revitalize him. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this is interesting because they've been Blake's main source of recharging himself up until now. Like he, he more or less roped all of them into this because he needed them to recharge him. And now he's sort of sitting here saying, ah, I mean, you know, they're all right, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. So like, cause, cause what he's talking about here, it's not quite, it's not quite like just being an introvert or, or like, I don't know. Cause it doesn't feel like that, but it's, it's similar, right? Like he's sort of saying just because of his trauma and stuff, he's, he's not comfortable being around people for various reasons. And so he sort of needs his introverted, uh, rechargedness, which hopefully is kind of what he's gotten in here. Yeah. Um, because that's definitely something like a moment of peace and quiet to just enjoy himself is something I do not think he's had since, uh, Molly died yeah uh, so yeah true this is the first i mean this <laughs> three days pass while he's in this coma which might be the longest amount of time we've seen pass in any chapter and he gets to rest for that amount of time like yeah yeah um so i mean we'll see how much of it counts when you're resting inside your own psyche but mm. yeah we'll see yeah um yeah uh but of course can't just be peaceful blake uh in walks mrs lewis uh who i mean obviously this is a dream but it obviously you get the sense that this is the real mrs lewis not just a fictitious dream version um and and blake and her have a bit of a conversation about why blake hasn't asked them for help in this crazy situation um yeah yeah i love how blake's response is basically well i i wanted to say for, for when things got really bad yeah and even mrs uh, even miss lewis is like 
<laughs> what are you talking about? It got pretty fucking bad, mate. And, um... Yeah, I remember when we were talking about Blake being in the interrogation room, and we were like, "Oh, this is definitely bad enough." And it's gotten <laughs> it's gotten worse like eight times since then. <laughs> yeah, but he is like, w- without worrying about getting forsworn, able to look her in the eye and say, e- "Yeah, but the way things are shaping up, I think it's going to get even worse." <laughs> oh, it's so and, wild. And I think that's probably true. Although I think you could argue that if you get the lawyers involved, it won't have to keep getting worse. Mm. Um, but ex- it's exactly that kind of argument that, that they're trying to take advantage of. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we do get the impression that Mrs. Lewis is, is starting to get annoyed by Blake being so reluctant to be on their side. Um, she she basically threatens to to kill him and get Rose to replace him. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe not a threat, but it is a, I don't know. Maybe it is a threat, honestly. Yeah, I. Th- it's definitely meant to be a threat. I, we still don't know the details of what exactly, like, you know, they've signed up to do with Rose Senior, right? Like, we don't know. No, I mean, just we, we don't know the agreement. Be she, custodians, she, I think. Yeah, I don't know. There seems to be more to it than that. Like, we still have, like, Miss Lewis way back in, like, I think it was Arc 2 was sort of like, oh, I see why she chose you. And um, I, I think yeah. it, it's maybe implied that they were involved in some of the uh, Rose shenanigans yep. like as as well as barbatorum being involved in that um maybe they they played some part so like, I, I don't know i think yeah. there's maybe more like, this could be a hollow threat i don't know if maybe they're not actually allowed to actively work against spike and and the most they can do is sort of passively let shit happen to him although yeah. i mean they let him walk right into conquest lair so i don't know, I don't know how much <laughs> more passive they can, can get um yeah yeah uh who knows what the lawyers are planning for now um but blake <laughs> uh wakes up mrs lewis is like wake up and he does um (laughs) and it's been two hours uh, sorry two days and 23 hours of the three-day timeline rose and jay corviday are at his bedside (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I love this like blake got himself a three-day rest and of course we miss like 98 percent of it (laughs) yeah Um, of course we jump right back into the action no downtime (laughs) here um at least we've got an hour so i'm hoping that 7.4 is basically an hour of bloke's life where we we get caught up on what the fuck happened uh in these three days yeah well and 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 while he was on the ground uh, as well um yeah i I love that jay corviday is there like of course rose would have summoned him immediately (laughs) because obviously you know she's been she hasn't had blake for the past three days so she would have uh consolidated resources but i i just know blake is gonna get the shits about this uh, yeah, and I mean, look, he, he made it very clear he didn't want her to summon this guy yeah. at any point. Yeah. And so it's kind of a dick move, but I, I do have to admit, if I was in Rose's shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Cause yeah. it, it seems like since he's there, he was probably part of helping Blake's recovery. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see the fallout from this, but I, I find it hard to hold too much against Rose here. I think the situation seems like it was pretty dire. I don't blame her too much for... For, for calling him in yeah um I, th- I think what what i'm really interested to see though um next chapter in his conversation with rose um is it, it's now been her turn like you know remember blake had his turn where he, he got two days without rose and we saw what he did yeah. which was you know essentially line up a familiar and all that yeah what what's rose been up to in her two and a bit days without blake yeah i uh, guess she's also found a familiar be... seems <laughs> uh well yeah i mean i i'm I'm sort of making something out of nothing here, but the way it's phrased that Corvidae is standing next to her, mm. I got the impression maybe she's not in the mirror. And like, I went and reread it more carefully the second time, and I was like, I don't really know why I'm where I'm pulling that from, but 
Like Mary was only next to her in the mirror because Mary was like a mirror creature. Yep. So I wonder if maybe Rose has used Corviday to make herself more corporeal or something. I guess mm. we'll see. But uh, I'm just very... I, I have a feeling that in the two days Blake has been out of it, Rose will have done stuff that will rock the boat a little bit. Mm. Uh, yeah. We'll see, I suppose, next time on Deep Impact. Because that's the end of this chapter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, before we go, I thought we this would be a good time to dive into some comments from five years ago when this first uh, chapter first came out and see what people are were thinking about when the chapter first came out five years ago. Um, so I put out a comment by a user called Glassware uh, who who talked about a few things. One that I liked is just that Blake definitely knew about Fel's niece. Uh, he mentioned in this chapter that he didn't know Fel had a niece, but Fel mentioned that he had a niece in six point nine, which I think is funny. <laughs> that was what a day ago, Blake. Um, anyway, the, the, the other thing that I wanted to touch on from Glassware's comment is, uh, so I guess we didn't even talk about how one of the champions is dead and we don't know which one. No, I guess I, I, I mentioned not wanting it to be fell, uh, uh, that we never came back to it. Uh, yeah. So basically is it, oh no, Conquest, I think is the one who says, Mm. uh, one of the champions is dead. And we know it's not Rose. Yeah, I I don't think it's Maggie. Yeah. Um she got pushed aside by Isadora, but I think we hear from her after that. Uh yeah. I mean Fell obviously copped an arrow to the collarbone, so he's a he's a safe bet. He's a, he's a candidate. The hyena's presumably just chilling on the sidewalk. Yep. Um my my fingers crossed idea is that uh lead beat pose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what they're referring to. Uh, but I, I don't like the chances of that. I think I think I think Fell's the 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 safe bet. Yeah, I think Fell's the one that we are kind of made to think it is um, for sure. Uh, and and Glassware talked about this and talked about how Fell uh, back back in back I think it was at the start of of arc six or like six point three or six point four maybe. Uh, Fell made this kind of like uh, soul trap where he used a bit of soul. Uh, of uh Blake to make a fake Blake um and I just thought it would be or, or Glassware points out that it would be very funny if Fel was able to somehow do some magic to to keep himself around and then he would become a snarky ghost and join Blake's troop of of ghost buds um I just thought that would be a funny thing to happen uh, so I like this comment by Glassware yeah <laughs> I mean, if if Fel did become a snarky ghost, I don't know if we'd even notice the difference. Um, <laughs> it would suit him, right? We'd have Evan, yeah, we'd have Fel, yeah. we'd have June, I guess. Um, I mean, you just got to keep him away from the shepherd, presumably. That's the <laughs> that's the, the big risk for him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and so then I, I've put out a comment by uh, Adamus zero five, mm-hmm. um, and and they're just sort of going into all this stuff about Isadora and, and how she's attacked Blake. Mm. And I think the thing I really wanted to um, pull out from this was this idea that uh, Ademus 5 thinks that maybe just by, like, obliterating Blake but not actually killing him, uh, Isadora is helping his karmic balance a bit. Mm. Um, and, and so another comment by Unmaker uh, actually points out that in his dream state, Blake noticed that his tattoos there were like more birds and more branches and if if his tattoos are in any way related to his current karma or like his power level you know like we've seen them we've seen them change like when he slightly forsworn yeah. himself yeah it's probably not good grammar uh <laughs> but you know way back in like arc two yeah and, and so the theory might be that as the tattoo or well, the tattoos are growing because his karma is better 
and and so maybe that's something to do with Isadora attacking him and uh, it's an extremely optimistic viewpoint but uh, <laughs> I, I like it yeah uh it, it is optimistic but I guess we'll see how it pans out I don't know I I find it hard to believe that uh, <laughs> that that Isadora mauling Blake would somehow be a benefit to his karma, but maybe. Well, she is sort of an agent of karma. Like we we've yeah. seen that, uh, and and so wait, that's sort of why I'm willing to buy it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and Ademus kind of points out a few ways that Isadora is potentially helping Blake, but still, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, well, there's another comment by a, a user, I think it was called Paracarry, who who sort of pointed out that Isadora actually never threatened to kill Blake today. She just said she'd attack him. Mm. Uh, so that was, and, that, and that's sort of an interesting distinction. Uh, it ties back to that whole stuff about why she didn't kill him mm. uh, earlier in the chapter. But yeah. Yeah, true. Um, well, that's it for us for Void 7.3. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to talk about just what the heck Isadora is playing at, the place to leave your fan <laughs> theories about that is in the discussion thread for the episode, which we will link down below. And uh, if if you want to hear more from Doof, because uh, Deep Impact, there's not enough episodes for you, <laughs> head on over to doofmedia.com uh, where you can find out all or you can find out all about all the other great shows on the Doof Network. Uh, we actually just last week, I think, uh, had the book club uh, for this month. Mm. And obviously, uh, patrons get to vote on which books are part of our book club. So if you're interested in joining our little book club and getting your say in, in which books we we read and talk about uh head on over to patreon.com slash doofmedia yes so apparently there are non-web serialized versions of literature who knew knew, (laughs) but apparently people enjoy them Uh, so check out the doof media website and the doof book club now if you want to uh yeah if you want to vote on what book is discussed on the book club you can do that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash doofmedia um there are all kinds of rewards. So obviously voting on the book club is one of them, but also voting on fan art contests, joining the Doof Discord, where there's a lot of great discussion about not just uh, Doof shows, but also things like Marble Olympics, movies, podcasts, politics, which I have muted, anime, which I have muted, all kinds of things. Um, <laughs> some some great different different conversations for different people uh, in there. But yeah, all for all those great perks, head to patreon.com slash doofmedia and uh, back the Doof patron. Yes, and of course, as as we like to remind you, Wildbo has a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Wildbo, so please throw him some money if you're enjoying his stories as much as we are. Yeah, uh, the the perk that you get for that is he just keeps writing more stuff, and that's a pretty good perk too. Um, yes. Uh, so I think that's it for us. Uh, our next episode will be talking about Void 7.4, and we'll see what happened in, uh, in Blake's Lost Days, as it were. Uh, that will be coming out on Friday the 7th of June, so we'll see you then. I'm going to go read that now. See ya. Bye. <laughs>